Okay, I'm going to start here on the bottom of Chavdel and Amadbed, two lines from the bottom. Amar Vehuna, Aita Talitoch, Agrua Lo Almatnov, Mutar Likrot Kriyachma. A person has, basically, girded around his loins, he has some sort of baguette, some sort of clothing there. Then he can read Kriyachma. Tanya Amihoch, we have a Brayta that says a similar thing. Then Aita Talitoch, Baguette, Shel Or, Shel Sak. He has some sort of piece of clothing, whether it's made out of cloth, leather, or burlap, kagura almotnav, that is tied around his loins, mutar the kroch kriyachma. Aval, the tefillah, achi libo. But for tefillah, you have to cover his heart. So the premise here being that for kriyachma, you only need to separate between the erva and the lave, which is, we'll see later in today's dab, whether it's libo ro'et ervato, there's a requirement that your heart does not see the erva, so as long as you have something around your waist, then there's a separation between the heart and the erva. And that will permit you to say, Kriyachma. But for tefillah, that's not sufficient. Even though it qualifies in terms of making you a gavra that's ra'ui davin, there's something else that's missing. And that is, as Rashi says here, it's the top Rashi on Chofei Yom Ra'al, a very important Rashi. Tzarech hu la'rote datzmo ko'omeid lifnei ha'melech v'amod be'ema. When you're reaching Shmon Estre, it's not simply tefillah now. But it's tefillah lifnei ha'melech. You're standing before God at that point. But tefillah not standing literally before God. That's the amazing thing about Shemun Esrei. We take it for granted, but that we're able to walk and stand right before Kodesh Baruch Hu each day. But standing before Kodesh Baruch Hu both as a, has two sides to it. It's a privilege, but it's also a responsibility. So the privilege to stand before Shem also means that you're responsible to come before Shem in an appropriate manner. And therefore, even though with the guards to the begot around Motnav, that's enough or sufficient in terms of being a gavra de ra'ui for tefillah, it's not enough to go before Hashem with a bare chest. Out the proper clothing to be omed lifnei melech. So therefore, while it works for Kriyachma, it does not work for tefillah. And this has important implications in general in terms of how we approach Shmonesre. We talked about this a little bit when we said Hikon, the Krat that there's an additional level of preparation for one going to Davening, besides coming to Tefillah itself, but in terms of going into Shmon Esrei. When you go into Shmon Esrei, there's an added dimension, an added level of preparation and being ready to stand before Kodesh Baruch Hu. Over here you see that differential in the fact that you have to wear a shirt, you have to cover yourself, and it also appears in other ways, doing small things to prepare for Shem, also, some people are makbid only to cover their head with the talit during Shmon Esrei, because that's the time that you're standing in the Melech. Even though the Mishnah Brewer brings that one should cover already from the time from Baruch Hu or Ishtabach, nevertheless, the main area that we're makbid on is this Omeid Lifnei Hashem, when you're standing for Hashem in Shmon Esrei. Ram Ravuna, Shachach v'nichnas b'tfilin debet ha'kiseh. person enters into the bathroom with his tefillin on by mistake. Meniach yadu alem ajigmor. So he should put his hand over them to cover them until he finishes. And more? He should finish everything? How could you say that? As he defecates, the first surge is over. To that, he'll stop and he'll remove his tefillin. The Gemara says, we leave the altar. Why not stop right away and get it off? Because the problem is revealed. The title of Shimon Amir, Amud Ochozer, maybe at the Dumbly they had broken. Person who has to defecate and holds in and does not relieve himself at that time, that causes this problem of hadrokin, as Rashi says, it's a sickness that causes the stomach to burst. So we don't want to have you hold in, not relieve yourself immediately. And the same is true of a person who is, needs to urinate and stops himself from urinating, does not relieve himself, that brings a person to Yerakon, and as Rashi says, Holy Shishmo, Galanatia. So I don't know if that's related to the gallbladder, or some sort of jaundice, or something to that effect, from one not urinating at the proper time. If he has feces on his body, or his hand is inside the bathroom, or the area around the bathroom, I mean that he's situated far enough away from the bathroom where he could daven, just that he sticks his hand into that location, his arm is extended into that location, or again, he has some sort of feces on his body. It's okay to read Kriyachma. You cannot read Kriyachma. My time with the Rabbuno. 
What's the reason behind Rav Huna's position that it's mutar? Dechtiv kol nishama te'eluka. The nishama, the nishama here being literally nishima, the breath. Every breath will give praise to a Kodesh Baruch Hu. So the only thing that needs to be in the location where it's ra'oi to daven is the mouth, the nose, the areas that breathe. So if that's in a good location, for instance here, where he's outside of the Beit HaKisei, he can express himself, he can say tefillah without any problem. Rav Chista, what's the reason behind Rav Chista? Marasur, the Krokujah, my time to Rav Chista. All of my limbs will see to you, Hashem, who is like you. Kolotzmotaitumarna means that all of my limbs must be in a place that's ra'uilut filah. And since here either I have my arm extended into an area that is not ra'uilut filah, or I have feces on the body, that will prevent me from tefillah being in an appropriate place for because I have one part of my body, one limb of my body that is not in a proper place. And here it says, kolotzmotaitumarna. My entire body will come before Hashem, express this before Hashem. As an aside, this is the source for shuckling during davening. The reason to move during davening is from this puzzle, all my limbs express before you, Hashem. How do all your limbs express? Well, if you're speaking, not all your limbs are expressing. So we shuckle, we move, in order to show or have this idea expressed that all my limbs are speaking to you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Interesting, if you look on the Tosafot at the end of the previous Amud, he says, oh, the Psaq Alocha, Rabbeinu Nuchananel says, Alocha is like Rav Chista. The Asuli Krod Kriyachma, that you are precluded from saying Kriyachma in this situation, because the Alocha is Lachmir. We go to Chumrah, which says that you are not allowed to read Kriyachma in this situation, even though Rav Chista is a Talmud of Ravuna. It should have passed in like the Rebbe, which is Ravuna. Nevertheless, we opt to go like Rav Chista, because it's the Chumrah, Rav Alphas Pasok Ravuna. And the riff, Paskins like Ravuna, that it's mutur the Kriyachma, made actually Gemara Mineh B'yoma Perakamamuna. Since the Gemara in other places brings a question from the position of Ravuna. So it seems like the Gemara assumes that that is the Aloha. So therefore he passes like Ravuna, and you can see here that the other Rishonim, Poskei Aloha, followed the Psak of the riff, that Aloha is like Ravuna in this instance. Itmar, Reachra Sheishlo Ikar. So if you have a foul smell, that has an ikar. I mean, the source of the smell is also present. Ravuna Amar, Marchik Talad Amot, V'Korea Kriyachma. Ravuna says you just have to step four Amot away, and then you can read Kriyachma. Ravuna Amar, Marchik Talad Amot, V'Makom Shepasak Areach, V'Korea Kriyachma. You have to distance yourself four Amot, not only from the source of the foul smell, but from the foul smell itself, you have to distance yourself for Amot. Tanya Kavati the Rav Chista. We have a writer that supports this position. Rav Chista Lo Yikra Adam Kriyachma Lo Keneged Soat Adam Velo Keneged Soat Kalavim Velo Keneged Soat Chazirim Velo Keneged Soat Tarnegolim Velo Keneged Hashba. So all these items here, it's talking about the item itself. You're not allowed to be facing this item. So one may not daven facing human feces, feces of a dog, feces of a pig, feces of a chicken. And not opposite an ashpa, a dump of some sort, or a toilet of some sort, one can't face it. Any of these that have a foul smell, one may not be facing them. If the location in which you are in is has a differential of ten tfachim between you and whatever these items are, then Yoshev Bitsido correct Kriyachma. You can sit right next to it and read Kriyachma because you're considered to be in a separate reshut. Just like by Shabbat, Asarat Vachim, Tent Vachim creates a separate Rishut. That's what a Machitza of Asarat Vachim creates a separate Rishut. So to over here, you're considered to be in a separate location entirely. In a separate location, you can be right next to it and Daven. Vim Lav, if you do not have that, then you have to be Machik Meloe Nav. Then you have to be a distance where you can no longer see it. This is as long as it's in front of you. As long as it's in front of you, then you have to be at a distance where you're not looking at this item. Otherwise, if you have a separate reshut, that's fine. You can be right up against it. You just have to be in a separate reshut. V'chein litfilah. And so is true for tefillah, for davening, and Kriyat Shema here of the same din. Reach rosh yesh ikar. Now we're moving over to the foul smell. So in the first part of this b'rayta, we're talking about the feces without the smell. See, obviously the smell comes in. There's a different din of how far away you need to be. Here where there's no foul smell, just the feces, then you have to distance yourself if you're looking at it from milo enough, so you can't see it. If you're in a separate shoot, you can be right next to it, because you're considered to be in a totally separate location. 
Or, again, if you're around it, you only need Dalet Amot. If it's behind you or to the side, you'll need Dalet Amot. But here, again, all of this is dealing with out of foul smell. Here, where you have Reich Rashi'esh Ikar, if you have the foul smell as well as the object itself, or the source of that foul smell, then Marchik Dalet Amot, Makom Hareach. You distance yourself for Amot from the place that the foul smell terminates. The Korea Kriyat And then you read Kriyat That's exactly like Rav Chista. So, Amarova, Leit Ilchata Ki Aymat that this halacha is not like this brayta, but rather like this brayta. The Tanya, we have a brayta, lo yikra adam kriyachma, lo keneged suat adam. Now the gra takes out, lo keneged suat chazirim, for lo keneged suat kalavim. So it's suat adam and suat kalavim. Bizman shenatano wrote to tochan. When you are curing skins in this suat, then they are problematic, because that accentuates the problem or the foul smell over here. So let's just understand this. First of all, Rashi says that the qualification of Zman Shinatana wrote Tochan is only about Sawat Kalavim. Rashi Emmett's mentioned it's about Sawat Chazivin and Sawat Kalavim, about the feces of pigs and the feces of dogs. The Gro eliminates it. He says in the Tosefta that Sawat Chazivim does not exist. So therefore it would only be qualifying Sawat Kalavim, which we do find Elsewhere, which is lo yechratz kelav lishono. In Mitzrayim, it says the dogs did not bark when Bnei Yisrael were leaving, and as a reward for that, the Medrash brings down their tzawah, their feces are used to be ma'abed, to tan, to cure the skins that are used for stum. So you see, that's part of their reward that their feces are used for that reason. So again, the idea being consistent that we're talking about tzawad kelavim, but as Rashi points out. Because when you put in the orot into it, then the smell is horrible, terrible. I mean, that's something that is very potent, and the smell is horrible, and therefore it's a problem over here. Whereas, soat adam is problematic, irrespective of whether you put orot in there, or you do not put orot in there. So that's what Rav is saying. The Abelocha is not like the Brayta that we saw before, that the tzoah, when you're standing opposite the tzoah, it's a problem automatically. No, it's a problem if you're using it to cure, or you're using it in a situation where it's not as problematic. So Tzawat Adam is problematic, period. And Tzawat Klavim, as mentioned in Tanurot is also problematic, as opposed to the previous Brayta, which has listed everything. Tzawat Adam, Tzawat Klavim, Tzawat Chazirim, Tzawat Tarnagolim, which has had a full list, number one. And number two is it did not have a requirement of Orot, that there be skins that are placed in there in order to cure them. And as Tosavod points out over here, The feces of chickens was not mentioned at all. And it doesn't argue on the previous brayta. So Tosavod says that the difference between this brayta and the previous brayta is only with regards to Tzawat Kalavim. Tzawat Adam is matched up. Tzawat Kalavim, here it says you need Orot in it. The other one doesn't need Orot. The other is where it doesn't mention it. Tosavod says that the brayta degree. If that's the case, then you have a problem with chicken feces. And that's a bigger issue for them, because they had chickens who lived with them, basically, in the house. They were in their yards, in their house, and they have chicken feces everywhere. Based on that, you have to say that chicken feces are problematic. It's only if you're in the chicken coop. Then it's a problematic, because then the smell is very foul. The chickens that run around the house and their feces come out, we don't worry about that at all. Tosavod talks about this in terms of a practical issue that if you have chickens living in the house, their feces is not problematic like the feces that are mentioned in the Brayta. So now we're moving on to a foul smell, but the source of the foul smell is no longer there. For instance, a situation in which the person fluctuates, person when they're passing gas, those types of things where you have a smell without any source. If you go look at the mats of the Beit Medrash of Rav, there are people who slept in the Beit Midrash, they slept on the floor, while others were learning next to them. And Rashi says that when people are sleeping, that in an involuntary way that they pass gas, they flatulate, and then therefore the smell comes up. So it seems from that proof that no problem. But if you have a smell without a source, that does not stop you from learning Torah. It says, That's true by Divrei Torah, because in Brei Ra, there's no choice in that case. 
Aval By we don't say that because we'll just say to him, step outside, step away. You can quickly, Kriyachma is a short thing. You can step outside, you can go away from there and say Kriyachma. With learning Torah, it's endless. I mean, that you're always going to be learning there, therefore we can't inconvenience you and tell you to leave. And then it says, That's only if the smell is caused by someone else. Again, where you're an Ones, where you have, there's nothing that you could have done about it. But if it's your own, if you caused the smell to be there, then you have to wait for the smell to dissipate before you continue learning. So over here, in terms of smell, we have a differential, a distinction between learning and Kriyachma, which is something that is shorter Temporary. Over there we say, move yourself away from the smell and say, Kriyachma. On the other hand, by Divrei Torah, there again we have a, a distinction within Divrei Torah, which is that if you are the source of the smell, then you have to wait it out because you caused the problem. On the other hand, if it's caused by someone else, over there you say, Arionones, because you couldn't have done anything about it. We can't force you out of the baby midrash every time this happens. And therefore, we say you don't have to wait, you can continue learning Torah. Idmar, Soah Overet. What about feces that is passing by? What is the din over here? If it's passing feces, someone's carrying a bucket of feces right by you, you're allowed to read Kriyachma. It's not permitted. I can prove it to you from a Mishnah in the Gaim. If a person who is a Mutsura was standing under a tree, and a Tahor person passes by, he becomes Tamei. Now, a person who is a mitzorah, a nega, has the same din as tumatamate, which means that if you are in the same ohel with a nega, you become tamay. Just like by an ohel, if you share the same roof as a mate, you become tamay, tumatamate. It's the same thing here by tumatamnega. We're going to see that there's a slight distinction between them, and that'll come out after we read the Mishnah. So here, if the tahor is passing through, and the tamay is stationary under the tree, then you become Tamei from Tumat Ohel of Nega. Tahor made, on the other hand, if the Tahor is stationary under the tree, but Tamei Over, and the person who has the Nega is passing by, Tahor, the person remains Tahor. If the Tamei person stops, meaning the person with the Nega stops there, then Tamei, then you are Tamei. This is not only true by a person who is a Mitzorah, but if you bring a stone from a house, that has a nega in it, it has the same din, and that is a hekesh between negaim, all the negaim, and the din is the same. There is a difference or a distinction there. Because by tumata mate, it doesn't matter if you are stationary and the mate is moving under the tree, or the mate is stationary and you move under the tree, you'll be tamay in all instances, because that's tumat ohel. By tumat nega, or tarat, that is not true, and that's what Rubba points out. Over here, we learned it at the post of Tichti, but bad yeshev, he sits alone. He must be outside of the encampment. So when you're sitting outside of the encampment, it sounds like you have made a place that you are stationed. Somewhere where you are stationary. And therefore, only when the person who has a tzarat is stationary, does the other person affected by the tumata nega. So that's why when the tamay or the tzarat is stationary and the Torah passes under it, he becomes tamay. On the other hand, when it's reversed, the Tahor is stationary, and the Tamei person, the person with Tzarat, walks through there, you're not Tamei. So Rabbi says, the din by Tzarat is unique to Tzarat because of this Pasuk of Badad Yeshev. On the other hand, Hocha, when it comes to Kriyachma, comes from this week's Parsha, Vayamachanecha Kadosh. Your encampments, when you go out to battle, have to be Kadosh. That you don't have over here. It doesn't matter if you're stationary and the other thing's moving and you're moving and the other thing's stationary. It's Machane Kadosh. Your sphere has to be clear of any problem. Your sphere being very clear of any problem means that even if there's Tzoah moving by you, that's not appropriate for you to say in Kriyat Shema in that instance. It doesn't matter if you're moving or the Tzoah is moving. Either way, it's problematic. The mouth of a pig has the same din as feces that are moving in the previous... Gemara that we spoke about. Gemara says, Pshita. Of course it does, because the snout of the pig is always inside of the feces. It's getting messed up. It's in the dirt all the time. Gemara says, He just came out of a river. Pig just passed by here. He just basically got a bath. Nevertheless, we assume that his snout is always in the feces and he's back to being problematic right away. So, Asura. Mutarim. 
If you have a safek, whether there's feces in this location or not, over there we say it's problematic, and you may not say kriyachma. On the other hand, safek may reglaim. If you have a safek, whether there's urine in that location, then you are mutar to read kriyachma. So, some say that this is what Rabbi Yudha said. Safek to bayit muteret. If you safek about feces in the house, over there you are mutar to read kriyachma. Bashpa, in the dump, then it's a surah. The difference being that you do not expect to have feces in the house. So therefore, if you have a safek, we'll go to Kula, because we don't assume that there are feces there. The ashpa, the dump, is where you expect that to be. Therefore, you have a safek, we're going to go to Khumrah. Safek maglayim, whether it's safek of urine, afilu bashpa nami mutarim. doesn't matter whether it's inside or outside. Over there, we go to Kula. Savala kiya if you must hold like this member of Ravuna, Dam Ravuna, Lo Asrat Bilvad. The Isur, the restriction of urine, is only when the urine is actually in front of you. Someone is urinating in front of you, there is a problem to say Kriyachma. But other than that, it's not. And therefore, in this case, we will go by Suffolk Tzawat. So as problematic feces are problematic whether the feces are being produced now, or whether they're just there. And therefore, if you have a safek, we'll go to Chumrah. It's a problem, though, right? That's a Torah problem, to have feces there when you're reading Kriyat Shema. And therefore, if you have a safek, we're going to go to Chumrah. By Meirag Lain, by urine, the problem, though, right, is only when he's actually urinating. Then there's a problem. So in that instance, we'll go to Chumrah. But over here, where your person sees to urinate, and you just have the urine there, and we have a safek, that's of Safek Durabanan. Safek Durabanan, we're going to go to Kula. Ukudur Abionatan, Dabra Abionatan, Rami Ktiv. Pasuk says, Viyati Elochamichutz Lamachane, Viyatata Shamachutz. It says that you have to have a bathroom, a privy, outside of your encampment. And when you need to relieve yourself, you will leave the camp. Ukhtiv, Viyati Elochah. If you see that, say Atacha. And then in the second Pasuk says that you have a specified location within your encampment. Where you will leave yourself, but you will take a spade, and then you will cover over that which you produced. HaKetzad, how could that be? One pasuk, this week's Parsha again, one pasuk says you must leave the Machanet in order to relieve yourself. The other one says you can stay inside, you just have to cover it. So how do we reconcile? Kan Bigdolim, Kan Bigtanim. The difference between defecating and urinating. So where you have to cover it up, that's referring to feces. When we're talking about that, what you just have to have a privy or a designated location, that's talking about urine. Do you see that distinction between defecating and urinating? You see that the problem with regards to urine is only while the urine is being disposed of, when you're urinating. Once it reaches the ground, it's mutar. So what's the problem? We just saw all these gemaras that say you can't daven when there's urine there. Rabbanu the Gozrubu. Rabbanu goes there by urine on the ground. And the Rabbanan, when they were Gozer, only Gozer when it's Vada urine. It's a Safek, they weren't Gozer. I mean, it's almost a derivative of the fact that it's a Gzera, because then you have a Safek de Rabbanan. Safek de Rabbanan, we're going to go to Kula. Uvadaan ad Kamo. For how long, when you have Vada urine on the ground, he urinated, and we know that there's urine over here. How long is that problematic for? As long as they're still moist there. If there's moisture in the ground from the urine, that's problematic. As long as there's moisture there, it's problematic. As long as you touch them, it's still moist, that's problematic. It's not about moisture, it's about the marking of the urine being recognizable. As long as it's recognizable that there was urine here, that's enough to be problematic, not that it has to be moist. I'm Rabbi Yosef, Shorele, Marele, Gneva. Forgive Gneva for what he said, because it clearly Rav did not say this, and he's quoting this something in the name of Rav that's incorrect. Hash, the Tzoa, when we're dealing with feces, I'm Rabbi Yudam Rav, Kevin Shekarmu Mutar, that when it comes to feces, as long as the outside of the face of the feces has hardened, then it's Mutar to daven over there. So by Meir Glaim, it's going to be any more chamur than that? We're going to say, You have to go all the way to that extent by urine, when by feces, all you need is the outside to horn in. Why are you relying on that member of Rav? We have another member of Rav. When you have feces, even it hardens like pottery, it's still a sore. That can mean that Geneva's right. 
From here, by urine, he's still being mekil, because by urine, it just says, Rishumam Nikar. By feces, it says, even if it's as hard as a rock, we'll call it, it's still problematic. So what's this case of Tzohar Kecheres? How do we know whether Tzohar Kecheres? As long as you throw it, and it does not crumble, that is still problematic. If you roll it, and it does not crumble, then it's still not hard enough. So until it reaches that hardness where it'll crumble while you move it, then it's still problematic, the feces. Check if the outside, the face of it is hardened or not. Some people say that this is what he said to him. See if it's cracking already. If it's cracking, that's an indication that it's hardened all the way through. If you see cracking in it, then it's okay. What's the din here? What's the aloha? If you have feces that is as hard as pottery, hard as a rock, it's problematic. Then it's okay. When it comes to feces, even if it's as hard as pottery, hard as a rock, it's still a And when it comes to urine, as long as there's moisture there, or it's still moist, then it's problematic. Correct. It has to be moist enough that if something touches it, it will absorb that moisture. As opposed to, we're going to see in a second in the Gemara, which is, that the other object picks up the moisture and then is able to pass that moisture on. So here the requirement is simply that it's moist enough that if an object touches it, it will absorb that moisture. That as long as they are moist and they cause something else to absorb that moisture, they are asurim. If they are absorbed or they dry out, they're mutar. That the absorbed into the object is similar to drying out. If shu would be, for instance, be urinated on a stone or a rock, then if they evaporate, if the sun beats on it and it evaporates, then it's fine. Nivlu would be in the ground, into the earth, into the dirt. That would be the case that you're looking for, nivlu. So Gemara says, let's draw a parallel between nivlu to yavshu. My Yavshu, the Inrishumam Nikar. Just like by Yavshu on a stone or a rock, if you urinated there and the sun beat on it, it would not be recognizable anymore. Afnivlu, the Inrishumam Nikar. The same requirement should be by the dirt. That until their marking, their demarcation is no longer visible. Harishumam Nikar. It's still invisible. Asur. Afagav, the Inmatpichim. Even though they do not convey moisture. When it says, what are you going to say about the first half of that right as long as they convey moisture, then they are sore. From the first half of that statement in the Brayta, it sounds like it could be medayek, that only conveying moisture is a problem, but Rishumam Nikar is mutar. You can't prove anything from this Brayta, because it can be medayek in both directions, and therefore it's inconclusive. So let's say this is a machloket tanaim about... How far you have to go with the urine? A urinal, which has urine been poured out already, you can't read opposite that urinal. And the urine itself that's spilled, if they've been absorbed into the ground, they're mutar. As long as they convey moisture, they're problematic. So my nivlu, how do you distinguish? Nivlu'u from Matpichim. There's an argument between Tanakama and Rabiosi. So my low Nivlu'u. What does it mean that they're absorbed and not absorbed? The Kamark Tanakama. Yilem Nivlu'u de'en Matpichim. If you say they're absorbed, that they do not convey moisture, low Nivlu'u de Matpichim. And not absorbed means that they still convey moisture. Fa'ata Rabiosi de Meimar calls Mancha Matpichim hu da'asur arishumam nikar shari ha'inu Tanakama. That means that Rabiosi and the Tanakama are saying the exact same thing. El Nivlu'u de'en rishumam nikar. Lo nivlu, dirishumam nikar. It must be that the Tanakam is talking about nivlu and not nivlu. That is, the mark of the urine is still visible or not. Harishum nikar, whereas Rabbi Yosef, at the Rabbi Yosef, the Meimar calls Machabat Pichim. Yosef says that's not the qualification. The qualification is the conveying of moisture. Who does so? Harishum nikar. The location is visible, but it doesn't convey moisture, then it's mutar. Everybody agrees that the conveying of moisture is the determining fact over here. If the location where the urine is visible still, that's still okay. Question of how moist they have to be. So we discussed this before that here means that it conveys moisture. 
how much moisture must it convey? So here are the qualifications. Tofeach, amenata piach. Do you have to absorb enough moisture that if something touches this object now, it will become wet? Or is it just absorb enough moisture that it itself is wet, but it will not convey moisture? And that will be the machloka between the Tanakhama and Rabbi Yossi over here. How wet do you have to be? Rabbi Yossi says it just has to be wet enough that it absorbs. The object here absorbs the moisture and that's it. The Tanakhama says, no, not only does it have to absorb the moisture, it has to be able to pass that moisture on to something else. And this is a halachic measurement that's used in many places. Tofeach, amanat tofeach. For instance, Yom Kippur, Tishabab, where it's a sur rechitza, we are not allowed to wash. Over there, you're allowed to place moisture on your eyes to clean them out or clean your face. If your moisture is only enough that it's tofeach, that it moistens that area. But if it's amanat tofeach, if it's enough that if it touches that area, it would also be matfeach and be problematic. So if you take a cloth that is moist, if it's enough moisture that the object that it touches will absorb and that's it, that's fine. If it's so moist that if you touch that area, that it will create moisture that can wet something else, that will be problematic. So again, this is a halakhic term of tofeach, amanat feach that's used in other places. So we're back to the Mishnah now. If he goes down into the mikveh, and now kriyach comes, we said there, if he's able to get out and cover himself and say kriyach before Netzach fine. If not, he remains inside. Sounds like this Mishnah is like Rabbi Eliezer. That's why we're telling him to get out and to do it right away before Netzach It's like Rabbi Yeshua, but there's a benefit to doing it before Netzach because then you can dive in Kibatikin. So here we're encouraging him to do this because of Vatikin, not because that's the end of Zman Kriyachma. How could he read while he's in the water? The water is clear. He's standing in the water and now his lave is Ro'et Ervato. So Rabbi Lazar says that some say that it was Rabbi Barava Baracha, and that his grandfather's name was Acha Mishum Rabbeinu. In the name of Rabbeinu, Rabbeinu is used in the Gemara in two different contexts. Sometimes Rabbeinu means Rebbe, the other times it means Rav. Depends on the context of who you're speaking about, whether it's the name of Rav or the name of Rabbi. But Mayim Akurim Shanu, over here we're talking about clouded water. The Damukara Smichta, because the equivalent of solid earth, Shalom Yireli Boat Ervatos, that he cannot see, his heart may not see, his erva. So you can simulate wearing clothing by muddied waters, unclear waters, that has the same din as wearing clothing. Now Rashi points out over here, which is coming up in the next Gemara as well, Rashi says, Any limb that normally does not see the erva, it's a violation of there cannot be any erva visible. Not visible means to an Avra that normally does not see the erva. That will be the problem here. So that's what the Gemara is now going to discuss, extending it beyond the heart. So if he has clear water, he sits in him until his neck, and then he reads. Stimulate the dirt, yes, to dirty or muddy the waters by moving his feet around. Tanakama, what are you going to do with the Tanakama? Really, Boroet Arva. His heart sees the Arva. How could it be that he's sitting in clear water? He thinks that a heart seeing the Arva is not problematic. What about his heel? His heel sees his Arva. That is Mutar. Itmar. If his heel sees his erva, it's mutar. No geya, but if the heel is touching the erva, Bayamar asur, Rav Amar mutar. Rav says it's problematic, Rav says it's mutar. Rav Zvid, That's the way Rav Zvid brought down this memra about the heel. He had a different version of this. If the heel is touching the erva, everybody says it's asur. Ro'eh. If the heel is seeing the erva, Bayamar Asur, Rav Amar Mutar. Bayamar says it's problematic, Rav says it's Mutar. Lo nitna Torah, lo Malachi Asherit. The Torah is not given to the Malachi Asherit. Malachi Asherit don't have an erva, they don't have this problem. The heel chatod aloch is, no gea asur, ro'em mutar. If the heel is touching the erva, it's problematic. 
if it's just visible to the erva, that is mutar. The difference being, in general, even touching it, even the heel touching the erva is not a problem. The problem here is that if the heel touches the erva, you might come to touch it with your hand. And that would be problematic. So because the heel touching is similar to having contact with the erva, over there the Rabbanu will oser it. Whereas Ro'et, if the heel simply sees the erva, that's not a problem, because the only problem is erva, which is his heart, sees the erva. It's libo ro'et ervato. That's where it's problematic, but not where Ekivo, his heel, sees the erva, because the person doesn't have to be covered so perfectly that no other limb can see his erva. Just that the normal areas that are separate, like the upper half of his body, should not see the lower half of his body, because if you cover your loins, if you cover that area, the upper half of the body is separated from the lower half of the body. Tosu so says over here, when it comes to Kujumar Gemara, Libo Ro'et Erva, the heart seeing the Erva, should be a sword. That's what it sounds like from our Gemara, that Kuli Alma, or the way the Gemara leads, is in that direction. He says, but Rabbeinu Shmaya, the Talmud of Rashi, says, Pas like Kama, Libo Ro'et Erva is Mutar. Nevertheless, he says in the Gemara, in the further Gemara, it sounds like it should be a sword, and that's the way we Paskin, Paskin that it is a sword. Akevo, by Behil, we pass when that's only problematic if it's no geya, not if it is visible. Amarava. So of Ashishit, you have feces inside of glass, mutar krod kriyachma kinegda. You can read kriyachma opposite that. Erva bashishit, if you have an erva, something where you're not allowed to read opposite an erva, means someone that is naked, for instance, that's behind glass, a surly kriyachma kinegda. You cannot read kriyachma opposite it. So about Shishid Mutali why can you read Kriyachma opposite feces that's found behind glass? The Tsoa Kibikisoi Talio Milto. Tsoa, the only problem is it needs to be covered. Ha Mikhsaya, and it's covered. The issue here is separation. Separation doesn't matter what type of separation as long as you're separated. So if it's behind glass, it's separated. Erva b'shishita sulikol kishma k'negda, because it says gloria b'cha erva tavar amar The problem is sighting of erva in order to be a problem. V'hakimitchazio, and this is visible. Since it's visible, it is problematic. So, by the way, this is very interesting because Rav Moshe Feinstein has a huge chiddush when it comes to mechitza. In sure, we have mechitza between men and women. The question is, why do we have a mechitza between men and women? Moshe has a huge chedesh based on a raivet in Masechet Hamid that the issue of mechitza is negiyah. The ability of men and women to touch each other. That's the problem. And as long as you have a mechitza that's high enough to prevent them from touching each other, that would be sufficient. Others believe that the mechitza is there to separate, not only because of negiyah, of touching, but also because of visibility, that they shouldn't be able to see each other. Therefore, according to Rabbi Moshe, if you put up a glass mechitza, it'd be totally fine. Moshe says seeing the women is not the problem. The problem is nigiyah is simply becoming into contact with the women. And therefore, a glass mechitza would be totally fine according to Rav Moshe. And that... But that's not erva. Correct. Very good. But the problem is, and Rav Moshe points this out, the women don't cover their hair. When the women don't cover their hair, Seyar B'isha is an erva. That's one of the arayot of a woman is her hair. And if the women come to shul and don't cover their hair, the mechitza being glass will not suffice over here. Because if the women are visible from the other side of the mechitza and their hair is not covered, you can't read Kriyachma. And therefore, it can't be made out of glass. You can only have a glass mechitza when the women are dressed appropriately, when the older ervot are covered. If the women are not dressed appropriately, then you need a solid mechitza. That is a big nafkamin here in terms of erva behind the shashit, behind glass. That... If women are to not cover their hair, then the mechitza cannot anymore be made out of glass. It has to be something that covers in the sense of not being visible. Even according to Moshe, who says that mechitza is there for separation, only negia, over here, he would also require it to be not be visible because of the problem of erva. The Rukhashulcha is matir by Seir Beisha Erva to say, Kriyachmai, the Kinegadet Seir Beisha Erva, because he says that Dashba Rabbim, People today, people today that women don't cover their hair, it's so common practice that women don't cover their hair, that it loses its status as an erva. And therefore, you could read Kriyachma even opposite a woman's hair that's uncovered. He doesn't love it, he's melamed tzchut. And people have to do that. It brings up a general question, which is, what do you mean? How do you change an erva not into an erva? Something's an erva, it's empirically, it's objectively an erva. How do you change something like Serbisha erva into something that's not an erva anymore? 
And that might be because the problem with Sayar is not like other Ervot. Other Ervot are inherently problematic. They are Erva because the woman's body is uncovered. Those locations on the woman's body are an Erva period. On the other hand, when it comes to Sayar, the way the Gemara learns that Sayar Bisha Erva is from Sota, that you uncover the hair of the Sota, meaning that the woman's hair is normally covered. But you see from that, that it has to do with what the norm is. And therefore the Ervav Seyar is determined by the norm, not by this objective standard of what is Ervav. And so based on that, the Aruch wants to be L'melamed Zchut on people today, how they can say Kriyachma even with women's hair that is uncovered. Alright, Amr Abayi. Tzoa Koshu, Mevatlabirok. If you have just a little bit of feces, you take saliva and you're Mevatelet. Amrava Barok Ava. It has to be thick saliva. Amrava Tzoa Beguma. If you have Tzoa that's in a crack, you step on top of it, and now you can read Kriyat Shema, because now it is hidden, it's no longer there. What happens if he steps in feces and it's stuck to his sandal? What's the din? Over there he says, Teiku. We don't know. Again, it's not visible. It's below his foot. It's on the heel. It's on the base of the shoe, but it's still on your shoe. So what's the din there? There we leave it as an unresolved issue. A naked non-Jew, you cannot read Kriyat Shema opposite him. What do you mean a non-Jew? Even a Jew that's naked, you can't read Kriyat Shema opposite him. By Israel, we are clear that it's a sword to read Keneged a naked Israel. By Nukum, we have to say that. Maudutayim, I would have thought, Oh, Biktibu, Asher, Basar, Chamurim, Bissaram. And Yechezka wants to describe him. It says that their flesh is like the flesh of donkeys. Ema, Kechamur, Bamu. Maybe from a halachic status, they should be classified like a behema, like a chamor. And we know that there's no issue of saying Kriyachma opposite an animal, because animals generally are naked. So, Kamashulan, Enu, Nami, Kriyu, Erva. That by non-Jews, they have a halachic status of a vera of a human, not that of an erva of a beima dichtiv vervat aviem lo rau by Noach. It says that when the two brothers, after Ham does something wrong, when shame and Yafet come in to cover their father, it says vervat aviem lo rau. They did not look at their father's erva. So you see over there, we're talking about a ben Noach, and it's still called erva. So therefore, any human being has a classification of erva. Not simply Jews. So this is the last line of the Mishnah. One should not use foul, putrid water or things that they soaked flax or hemp in. Until you dilute them with water. How much water do you have to put on there, Basil? I mean, it's, it takes a huge amount of water. You have to parse the Mishnah differently. One may not go into putrid smelling water or into these waters that had soaked flax in them, period. You can't say Kriyachim on that because you can't get rid of the smell. That's it, period. comes to urine. By urine you can dilute it and then you can read Koshu. How much do you have to put in over there? Koshu. Any amount of water is enough to dilute it. You have to put in a Revit Alug of Mayim. That's only after you urinate. Then you have to put in either a viet or a kosher. Everybody agrees if the water is there beforehand, the kosher, any amount is sufficient. The makloket is in the beginning. Afterwards, everybody agrees you have to pour a viet in. Rav Yosef said to his servant, Bring me a viet of water like Rabbi Zakai in order to dilute the urine so that I can say Kriyat Shema over here. Now, as Rashi points out, the reason if water is there first, then we don't worry about it, even kosher works, is because we say the principle of Kama Kama Batil. That as each drop of urine goes into the water, it's Batel to the water. And Rashi's the Shittato here, that when it's Batel, when you say Kama Kama Batil, that's forever. You have urine going in, even though the urine exceeds the amount of water there, since each drop of urine as it went in is Batel to the water, the urine never becomes relevant over here. You can see there's a little star there, Rabbi Kiva Eger. Rabbi Eger points to Tatosvot in Avodazara. Tatosvot in Avodazara disagrees with Rashi. He says, Kamakamabato works until the rove. If the urine becomes the rove of the mixture, Kamakamabato doesn't work anymore. So Kamakamabato is only relevant 
until the point of Rov. Rashi says that it's completely relevant. That's Machogad Rashi and Tosafot in Avodah Zorah. Okay, Tanra Banan. Gerev Sharei, Bavit Shomer Aglaim. We're talking about a potty or a urinal. Asur the Kurot Kriyat Shema Kinegdan. You cannot read Kriyat Shema Abzim, even though they're empty. Afa Pishem Ben Klum, even though there's nothing in them now. Umer Aglaim Atzman, when it comes to urine itself. Until you place water in them. Come here, until the tochan, how much food must you place in there? Mayim kosho, any amount of water. Rabbi Zaki Omer, Rivi'it. Rabbi Zaki says that you have to put in Rivi'it. Mayim, same machlok that we saw just before. Ben lifnei amita, ben lechar amita. Doesn't matter where they are found, whether it's on the same side of the bed that you are on, or on the other side of the bed. If it's on the other side of the bed, you're allowed to read. If it's on the same side as the bed as you, you're not allowed to read it, and you have to distance yourself for Amot and read it. That even if you're hundred Amot to distance between you, you're not reading it, actually, until you leave that area, until you take that out of there, or they're placed under the bed. What is meant over here? We're talking about Rabbi Shimon Gamaliel's opinion. When he says, what is it modifying in his statement? Is he meaning this? If the urinal is on the other side of the bed, read right away. If it's on the same side as the bed, you distance yourself from it, you read. If it's on the other side of the bed, that's what the Arba Amot is modifying. You distance yourself from it, and then you read. If it's on the same side as the bed, ain't no correct cloud, then you're not allowed to read it all. the Tanya, we have a bright, Rabbi Shimon, Lazar, Achar, Amitah, Korea, Miyad. On the other side of the bed, you read right away. If it's on the same side as the bed, you distance yourself for Amot. Rabbi Shimon, says that even a hundred Amot separation between you, you're not allowed to read until you take them out or you put them under the bed. So, now Baran says, We answered a question, but matnita but now you have a problem between the two brightot. So we see there is that distinction between lifneamita and acharamita. The problem now is, the brightot argue on each other. I mean, that the brightot bring Rabbi Shimon Gamliel's opinion in the first bright as Rabbi Shimon Lazar in the second brighta. And Rabbi Shimon Lazar's opinion in the first bright is now Rabbi Shimon Gamliel's opinion in the second brighta. Where it says, Ipuch Paptraita. Flip the opinions in the second brayta. It says, "My chazita da'pach b'drayta ipoch kamaita." Why are you flipping the second brayta? Flip the first brayta. It says, "Man shmaylei damar kulei bayit ke'arba amot." Who is the opinion that says that a house, a whole house, is the equivalent of arba amot? Rabbi Shimon Lazari. That's the opinion of Rabbi Shimon ben Lazar. And Rashi observes says over here about this opinion. Rabbi Shimon Lazar says, "Lo yadati eichan who." I don't know where this opinion of Rabbi Shimon Lazar appears in Shas. The Gemara takes it for granted that's his opinion, but we don't have anywhere else in Shas that it's found. And you look over here, there's a Rabbi Kiva Eger. Rabbi Kiva Eger over here lists every place in Shas that Rashi says, Lo Yadati Eichani. I don't know where this is from, I don't know this. Every time Rashi says Lo Yadati, here's the full exhaustive list of going to Rabbi Kiva Eger, where Rashi says that same statement. So I'm Rabbi Yossi, by me neighbor, I'm Rabbi Huna. Yossi says, I asked Rabbi Huna, Mita pachot mishtoshab shitoleit kulavod domi. A bed that is lower than three, has less than three tvachim between it and the floor. It's as if it's sealed up. It's as if it doesn't exist. And therefore, if you place the urinal underneath there, it's not a problem. If it's from three until ten. What's the din? I don't know the din. When it comes to ten, I don't have a question. It's good thing. It made sense that you didn't ask about ten tefachim because every ten tefachim is considered to be a separate reshut. So the bed is higher than ten tefachim. Then anything under it is not covered by the bed because the bed now is in a separate reshut. Less than three tefachim is kolavudam. It's as if it's sealed up. Asara reshutach rita. Ten tefachim is a separate reshut and therefore it doesn't cover it. Shloshad asara. I know the bayi of Yosef and and between 3 and 10 is the question posed by Rav Yosef to Rav Huna, and we didn't get an answer about that. Amarav, If it's under the bed, it's okay. If it's next to you, either you or the urinal has to leave the house. And so it says, Bali, in the name of Yaakov, who is the grandson 
through his mother of Shmuel. And over here we reference back to Rashi, gone to Zion and where we explain the story that Shmuel's daughter is married a non-Jewish man who converted after the fact. And therefore, Rabbi Yaakov's lineage is ascribed to Shmuel and not to his father, Isi. Party. Over there, Rashi says Shocheres. We're talking about pottery, where it absorbs that and that's there. The urinal and the pottery are objects that absorb. Based on the way Rashi is describing the pottery in the urinal here, the problem, even after you empty out the urine or the feces, is the fact that they absorb from them. But if you take an object that does not absorb, like glass, maybe it would be mutar. Because so it leaves that as a safek, he at least enters the possibility that it should be mutar in this instance. And then he says that the addition of water, revit mayi, might only work by urine. That's where it might help. But by a potty, it would not help because of the difference. Meaning when urine, you're talking about a liquid, so therefore a liquid can dilute it and solve the problem that it may not be true when you're talking about a garif. Rav Achai took care of his son to get him married off to the daughter of Rav Yitzchak Bar Marta. And brought him into the Chopa. So they married him off. And then for Nisuin, they were unable to have Biat Mitzvah. It wasn't working out. He went after his son to check out what was going wrong over here. He saw there was a Sefer Torah in the room in which... The new bride and groom were living. Amrlohu, he says to Rav Yitzchak Bar Shmuel, Iku hashto lo atay sakunto nabri. Whoa, had I not come? Now you, you put my son in danger. How could you put a safer Torah inside the room of the newlywed couple? How'd you do this? The Tanya, we have a bright bite, she has a safer Torah to fill in. The house that has a safer Torah to fill in it. Asur le shamesh bo'at amita. You're not allowed to have... Marital relations there. You may not have marital relations there until you remove it from that area, or they're a kli kli. They are in a double wrap. That's only true when this is not the designated kli or cover for this object. This is what we mentioned on Friday's daf. That if you have multiple kelim, but all those kelim are designated as covers for the object, they're normally used as covers for the object, they're considered like one cover, one kli. And that's the situation that we have with tefillin. Tefillin that are inside their boxes, that are inside of a tefillin bag, that are inside of a talus bag as well. All of those are considered to be one covering, according to the Mishnah Bura, because they are all designated to cover the tefillin. And since they're designated to cover the tefillin, they're all considered to be like one keli. And therefore, in order to have a double covering over your talus or your tefillin, you need to add an additional item around them. And that's what the Gemara says here. Amrava glima akamatro klibito If you have a piece of clothing, a cloak, that is thrown over an argaz, over a chest, that is considered to be like a double covering. So the chest is considered to be the location of the item, a single covering. And then the throwing a piece of clothing on top of it is creating a second so it's over here, by the tefillin bag, if you wrap it up in a piece of clothing, you put it into a bag that's not usually its cover. You put it into a suitcase, over there, that is qualifies as a double covering because you're placing it into something that's not normally its covering. So all the normal coverings that it have are classified as a single covering. You add on the additional item, it becomes like a double covering. Okay, we'll stop over here.